Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. Moms, thank you for all that you do. I think moms and grandmothers are the most special people on earth. And I alluded to it earlier, but I believe that this is wholeheartedly true. I believe that their love demonstrated to kids is the closest thing to God's love that we experience on this side of of heaven. Because a mom loves us unconditionally. I also personally believe that moms have the hardest job in the world. Without a doubt, hands down, the hardest one. Um, That was a great time for you moms to shout amen. And men, that was a great time for you to amen them too, you know. They have the hardest job ever. I wouldn't want to do it. Maybe that's because I'm a man and I think there ain't no way. I couldn't do it. I mean, think about it. Moms work the longest hours for the littlest pay, for the least appreciation. They have to be a finance manager, a corporate household executive. They're always on call. They're psychiatrists, therapists, politicians, and are supposed to never, ever lose it. Doesn't that sound about right? I heard a story about a, uh, a mom who was in Walmart, and she was overheard to say, it's okay, Ellen, we're almost done. Just take a deep breath. You can do it. Mom said that several times as she was making her way through the store. Several times she said, it's okay, Ellen, we're almost through. Take a deep breath. You can do it. Well, when she finally got to the checkout counter, she walks up and the, the, the cashier said, hey, ma'am, I, I overheard you with your daughter who was not being the politest and kindest and quietest child in the store, and I heard how well you handled it and what you said and how you never lost your cool, and I just want you to know that Ellen is one lucky little girl to have a mom like you. And she looked back at her and said, her name's not Ellen, that's Lauren, I'm Ellen. <laughs> Sometimes moms just need a moment to talk to themselves and that's okay, right? There was a recent study that came out that showed that if a mother was paid on any given day for the multitude of things that they have to do, fulfilling all of those roles, if they were paid an hourly rate equivalent to what the professional gets in the workplace, that a mom would earn over $200,000 a year. Moms, you're worth every penny of it, amen? And to top it all off, on top of everything else, they have this tremendous responsibility on how they mold, shape, and influence their kids. Today, we're going to look at how legacies are built. They don't just happen, they're built on purpose. In our text today, it's going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul writes to encourage Timothy to celebrate the heritage that he has. And he begins by saying, I long to see you, for I remember your tears as we parted And I'll be filled with joy when we're together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now, and I know that that same faith continues strong in you. That's why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. Now, one of the things I want us to note is where did that faith begin? It didn't begin, unfortunately, in this text There's no mention of of anyone other than mother and grandmother there. Dads, that's not to say that you don't play a role in it, but it's to say that it begins in their mom and their grandma because typically when little kids get hurt, who do they want? I want mama to kiss my boo-boos, right? 
That's who we run to. That's what we long for. We want mom to be there. And so immediately they're taught about faith in there. And it all begins with their grandmother and with their mother. And that same faith now lives in him. And he, Paul encourages him, you know what, fan into flame that gift. But what gift is he talking about? It's the spiritual gift that was in him, that faith that first began in grandma and then in mom and then was passed on into him. And that was something that was intentionally cultivated. You know, the thing about it is faith can't be a gift. You can't give someone faith. It's not a package. It's not like this bottle of water that I could throw to you down there where you're sitting and say, here, now you've got faith. It just doesn't work that way. Lord knows I wish it did, but it doesn't. Faith is something that has to be cultivated and can be passed on, but not gifted. It has to be something that's demonstrated in the way that it's lived out. It can be, uh, uh, it has to be a personal choice that we choose by what we've seen at home typically is the case. The thing about moms is, is that they have this beautiful experience of cultivating faith in the lives of their kids. And moms and grandmas, you are doing that on a regular basis. But the thing about it is it takes work. It takes work. It's not easy. It takes patience. It absolutely takes patience because they're kids, right? And some of you are adults like myself, and your mom still has to have patience with you because you still don't get it either. And mom's looking at you going, he's preaching to you, buddy. If my mom was here today, she would nod her head and go, yep, uh-huh. If you would have listened a long time ago, we would have fixed a whole lot of these other issues that your wife gets to deal with now, but that's for a different story, different day. But it takes work. It takes patience to, to build a legacy. It takes discipline. And it takes patience, right? It takes patience. It takes trust and patience. It takes faith. And still yet, it takes more patience, much more patience. Now, being that it's Mother's Day, I'm not the only one who's got a little something to say about this. So I'm going to invite my very best friend, my other half, to come help me this morning. And she's going to talk about how a little bit of this patience thing works, maybe a little bit from our household and our standpoint, but she's got some wonderful things to say because she has to have patience with all of us. Uh, raise your hand if you're a woman and you've ever prayed for patience with your children. Put them down. Don't ever do that again because God will give you patience and you will want to pull your hair out. Uh, so I'm going to talk about a little bit what Travis said. How many, uh, I am always that mom at Target with my kids, and my kids pick up everything on the way. They pick everything up, and then they say, Mom, can I take this home? And I always say, no. No, you can't. And I hate saying no to them, but you have to. You can't just let them have everything they want. So inevitably, I'm that mom who's got the kid going, get out of there. And I'm the mom saying, no, you cannot have it. Why can't I have it? Because I said no. Why can't I have it? Because that's it. That's all I said. That's all, I, that's all you need to hear from me. It's a no. It's a hard no. No. And so then, inevitably, one of them starts crying, and then there's another woman or somebody else there who says, oh, I'm so sorry you're crying. What's so sad? I'm like, don't feel sorry for them. Don't feel sorry for them. They're in trouble. Don't feel sorry for them. They're not getting that toy. They're like, I'll buy it. No, you won't. They are not getting that toy because I don't want them to feel like every time they say, can I have something, that they're going to get it. Do I want to treat them? Do I want to get them every toy? Absolutely, because I love them. The little terrors that they are, I love them so much, and I want to give them stuff. But for me to raise a normal tax-paying citizen, I have to tell them no every once in a while. So I'm that lady embarrassing herself walking out of Target with three screaming kids going, oh, my mom, she's so horrible. But saying yes is easy, and it's also the hardest way to raise kids on purpose. And I'm going to say happy Mother's Day to my mom. My mom's here. Everybody say, hi, Hazel. 
Happy Mother's Day, Mama. Love you. So, yeah, give her a hand. She had to put up with me. <laughs> okay. Uh, ultimately, our lives are much more defined by what we say no to rather than what we say yes to. Jesus demonstrated this principle on the cross when he didn't call down the angels to defend him rather than to endure the death on the cross. And sometimes motherhood feels like that. Choosing not to call down the angels to take your sweet little babies home. Instead, you feel like you're the one being crucified. So I want to tell you a story about Cecily. Now, all of my kids are lovely. You guys know Cade's 10, Cecily's 7, Hayes is 2 and a half. And um, the boys are pretty much a piece of cake. They have their moments. But Cecily, <laughs> she's redheaded, first of all. And she is a girl. And she's super dramatic. She's a little bit too much like her mama, so sometimes I don't like her. So I'm going to tell you guys a story of when I wanted to totally give up. So she does competitive cheer, and she's great at it. She loves it every day. It's like, do I have cheer today? Do I have cheer today? Okay, so she takes private lessons, and her coach, I'm going to try to say coach so I don't confuse you, but her coach's name is Paige. So if I happen to say Paige, you know who I'm talking about. So she goes to these private lessons, and she learns how to do these backflips, and she can lift a girl up on her hand and hold her like this. It's pretty impressive. I mean, obviously a little girl, but she's really strong, and she can hold these girls up. And she does these, um, she'll do a round off and three back handsprings. So I, I've seen her do these. So she works on these all the time. I mean, she does them hundreds of times, but then she hangs out with this friend, and her friend happens to be scared of everything. So Cecily thinks, I think it's cool to be scared. I'm scared. So she decides, I'm going to be scared today. So we're at the lesson one day, and she says, I'm scared. And I said, why? You've done this a million times. She says, well, I'm, I'm just scared. I'm not going to do it today. And so, of course, me, I'm like, get your little redheaded self out there and do it. Like, I know you can. I pay for these lessons. You're going to do it. So she gets out there, and she starts crying. I am not the most patient with the whining and crying. I'm like, Lord, please deliver me from evil. So she is crying and whining, and I'm like, get out there and do it. And, you know, I'm embarrassing myself. I'm embarrassing her. I try not to yell at her in public, but I all, my catchphrase is, you guys can call DHS later. <laughs> because if this is screaming at her, you should, you should see what happens at home. Tell them to come over. So I tell her, get out there and do it. So she goes out there. She screams, loses her ever-loving mind. Like, loses her mind. I can't do it can't do it. So I say, Cecily, again, I'm fighting with her. I'm fighting with a seven-year-old. I'm trying to reason with her. Get out there and go do it. I've seen her do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. So we leave. We go back the next week. I say, Cecily, you're going to get out there. You're going to do it. Do not embarrass me. How, raise your hand if you've said to your kids, do not embarrass me because you are a fraction on this family and you are going to be a good one. So she goes out there again. Same thing. Now, she's been at home all week doing millions, millions of these back handsprings, backflips. In the meantime, she thinks she's hurt her arm. So I take her to the doctor because she swears it's broken. So we go and we have it x-rayed. Magically, that x-ray healed her. She walks out of the doctor's office, closes the door, does a cartwheel. I was like, <laughs> I guess that x-ray healed you, sister. That was about $400 to feel better. So I'm frustrated with her still because she's done all of these things that she says, I can't do, I'm scared, when she's there at the gym. So she gets out there, same thing happens, cries, loses her mind, and I say, okay, 
instead of losing my mind today, I'm, I'm going to talk reasonably. So we leave, and we go home, and I say, Cecily, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. You don't have to do cheer anymore. Your season is over. You've done your last competition. We can hang it up. I'm happy to ha hang it up. I will save money. I don't have to take you two days a week. Let's, let's call it quits. She says, no, 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 I want to still do it. This is my thing. I, I've got to be a cheerleader. This is my life's dream. Okay. So I say, okay, we're going to do it. But if you get out there and you cry and you embarrass me again, hang on, let me bring it back. Hang on. I love you so much, and I just want to see you happy, and I just want to see you do what I know you can do. So we're going to go to this lesson. And we're going to try it again, okay? She says, yes, it's my life stream. I want to be a cheerleader. It's what I got to do. I know I can do it, Mom. I'm going to do it. I say, okay, now that you've agreed and we're going to do it, I'm telling you now, if we go out there and you lose your mind and you start crying, we're leaving. We're not going to do it again. Team Jenkins standard, we're not going to be there and cry and make everybody look at us. We're not going to do it. I know you can do it. I'm proud of you. I love to see you do what you're doing. But if you're going to do this, and you've told me you want to do it, right? Right, Mom, I want to do it. Okay. So if you start crying, we're out. Okay, I'm going to do it. So I say, okay. So I've given her a chance to say, I don't want to do it anymore. No, but she says, no, I do. So I'm not going to lose my cool this time. I'm, I've told her what I expect and what we're going to do. I know she's capable of it. So we go in. She does a couple flips, and she's looking at me, and I said, and I don't want to hear you're scared because I know you're not. I see you do it a million times at home. And uh, she says, uh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. So she gets out there. She does a couple flips, and then she starts. You can see her, like, locking up. And I said, okay, I've, I've already told her if she loses it, I'm ripping her out of here. So she's trying to go. Well, she... And I'm purposefully not looking at her. She's over here, and I'm purposefully not looking at her because I don't want her to feel like I'm just staring at her, waiting for her to fail. So I'm like, okay, she's going to do it, but I'm not watching. So you know what happens. She loses her mind. So, so I've already told her, if you freak out and you get scared, that's fine. I'm not mad, but we're not going to do it. I'm not going to waste your coach's time. I'm not going to waste my time. We're not going to stand there and let everyone look at us and think, oh, my gosh, what's going on with this family? So I'm going to walk over, and I said, Cecily, go tell your coach thank you for your time, and we're going to leave. So I walk over. I say, Cecily, tell Paige thank you for your time. Do not lose it right here. If you're going to lose it, you go to the bathroom. <laughs> so get yourself together, and we're going to go. So she walks over. She politely says to Paige, thank you for your time. She goes to the bathroom, gets herself together. We walk out. Then she loses it in the car, of course. So it would have been so much easier for me to say, it's okay. <laughs> you can lose your mind again. But I had already said, if you do this, we're out. We're not going to do this. It would have been so much easier for me to just let her say, I'm scared. I'm whatever. And let her keep freaking out. Because as a mom, I want to say, it's okay, baby. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do it. And my, my mom always says, she's just a baby. Let her, let her cry. It's okay. And I'm like, I can't stand it. So uh, she does that. We leave. I've, I've stood up to what I'm going to do, right? I've stood up and said what I was going to say, and I've, I've stuck to my guns. So the whole week goes through flipping, flipping, flipping at home, 
does everything. We go back the next week. Same deal, Cecily. This is the last time I'm taking you. If you lose your mind again, we're done. So we go. She goes in. Lo and behold, this girl, her ever-loving dream has come true. She's a cheerleader, and she does cartwheels and, and uh, back handspring, back handspring, back handspring. She does them all over. She flips out a, several things that she hasn't done before. So I'm like, okay, where did that come from? So I say that to say I didn't let her quit or even stop going, but instead I influenced her, hopefully, to choose to try again. It would have been so much easier because in the scheme of life, does it matter that she does a back handspring? No, it doesn't. I don't care if she does it, but I know her potential and I know that she can do it. So I tell her, let's go. I try to encourage her and tell her you can do it. And building a legacy is something that requires the one word that John Maxwell says is the key to leadership, which is influence. So today we're going to look at two things of how we build a legacy. And it's the two things that Paul mentions or, or reflects on here in this passage that we looked at. Number one is to influence our faith. And moms and grandmas do this each and every day. You influence your kids. It's important to remember that in the passage that we read a few minutes ago, that Paul didn't say that Timothy's mom or grandma gave him that faith. I want to reiterate that. Because I remember growing up so many times, I felt like, well, I was a person of faith simply because my mom or, or my dad or my grandparents were people of faith. But it wasn't until I managed to have that relationship with Jesus and grow in that myself that I had a relationship and I had faith. It's not something that can be given. It has to be something that we choose individually how to do that, that we choose to do that. Uh, we, we have to uh, allow that influence. Yeah, mom, grandma, dad, grandpa, everybody is influenced, and we all have influence on others. But how do we influence them? It's by what they see at home. Uh, sometimes we, you know, we don't like to have our toes stepped on when we come to church. And I haven't found a church yet that doesn't step on people's toes. So forgive me if I step on yours a little bit today. But sometimes, if we'll just be honest, our kids are the best and the worst of us. And sometimes that part that we don't like to see in them may be something that God's trying to use them to teach us a lesson. It's something that we need to work on. It's something that we need to dig down deep in. You see, Timothy had this faith because he saw it demonstrated. He saw it lived out in his mom and in his grandma. And they lived it out demonstrating it in a way that he could grasp hold of and then go put that into practice. Now, Paul doesn't go into any detail here in this passage at all. There's no detail given of what that looks like. But he, we, we can obviously deduce that his mom and his grandma did something right. Amen? Obviously, Lois and Eunice, they did something that made a difference. There was something there. Now, the other thing I want to make note of is that Timothy is a third-generation believer. Now, in my family, I'm at least third-generation. I don't know much about my great-grandparents. They died when I was really, really super small. But whether you're third-generation or you're first-generation or you're one day hoping to become a believer, you haven't made that decision yet, then you know what? You're still being influenced, and people are having an influence on your life. So choose wisely who you allow to influence you. Who you allow to have an influence in your life is going to make a direct impact on who you are going to become. Now, in my years in youth ministry, I used to say this all the time. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. 
You start hanging out with people who are uh, headed down a wrong road, and guess which road you're going to end up heading down? A wrong road. We've got to be careful who we allow to influence our lives. If we've, if we've not yet made that decision, then man, stay plugged in, stay coming so that we can influence you to one day make that decision because it has eternal heavenly impact. It has a, a heavenly um, a following that will go with that decision. Now, I can just imagine that this faith that Paul's talking about that's impacted Timothy could probably have been seen in a life of devotion to God. But what does devotion to God look like? Well, I'm sure he saw devotion to scripture. He saw devotion to prayer. He saw devotion to church, to gathering together the believers. Faith in the lean times as well as faith in the good times. Faith in the good, faith in the bad, uh, and failures and successes. Faith in how to win and faith in how to lose. See, a person of faith, it's not whether you're on the mountain high or the valley low. It's about having faith the entire time and having that level of consistency all the way through. You know, one of the things I remember the most about my parents is how consistent that they were. Uh, some of you can relate to this because your parents swung a belt just as well as my parents. Now, my dad, he did most of the swinging of the belt in my house. Anybody else feel that same way at your house? But the worst whipping I ever got was from my mama. All four foot 11 of her. Well, I was really small, just a little guy. And uh, we were living in Colgate. I was about five or six years old. And uh, it was back in, the, back in the days when, you know, it was stylish to give your little boys these cloth belts of varying colors, Right? And my mom at that time, and dad would do it sometimes too unless he was really upset. He'd say, hey, listen, you're getting a spanking, go get a belt. Okay. So mom was upset. We were getting, we were getting it. Go get a belt. So I went and got a belt. And I thought, I'll fix her. I went and got one of those little cloth belts, right? Knowing that I was going to need to put on a good acting show so that I didn't get it worse. So she whips me and my brother. We'd been fighting and she gives it to us as good as she can with that little cloth belt. And we wailed and we moaned and we worked at fake tears and we headed out the door uh, having felt really good about ourselves for deceiving our mother. And, uh, and so we make it out the door and my dad sees us and my brother and I, we're like, you know, fist bumping and just laughing and giggling. He says, what's going on here? Nothing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What happened? Uh, we just got a, a whooping from mom. We're, we're going to work it out. We're doing good. You know, we're trying then we're So he goes and tells my mom, why are the boys, what, what, what's the deal with the boys? Well, I just gave them a spanking. Well, why are they laughing? <laughs> boys, get back in here. I can't yell as loud as she yelled that day, but it was loud. We come running back in. Yeah, mom. And there she stood with my dad's cowboy belt. Uh-huh. In our family, it was just referred to as the cowhide because it was going to be bad. Had my dad's name in the backside of it. And there was a couple of times I'm sure his name was imprinted across my cheeks. <laughs> this was the first time as she had us laying prone on the bed and she jumped. My little four foot 11 mom, remember she's four foot 11. She jumped to about seven feet, it felt like, as she came down full force across our backside, right? We learned the lesson. It was a deep, impacting moment. She taught us devotion to truth and honesty. She taught us all of those things. She taught us whether you're in the high or the low to be consistent. That was the thing I take away most from what my mom taught me outside of faith is be consistent. Be consistent. God is the same God whether you're in plenty or you're in want. God is the same God whether you are sick or whether you are in health. God is the same 
God and his promises are still just as true. She influenced our faith, and that's what moms and grandmas do. They influence our faith, and that faith then impacts others on down the road. The second thing that we see Paul mentioning here, uh, not just that we are influenced to faith, moms and grandmas who influence faith, is that he could see that he, they also influenced our gifts. We influence gifts. Moms and grandmas, you do that on a daily basis. Truth is, everybody has a gift. Everybody has a talent. It's a gift from God. You may be wondering, what's my gift? I promise it's there. Ask someone. They'll help you figure that out. A good person to ask would be your mom or your grandma. But we all have them. Moms and grandmas have this uh, great influence on the gifts our kids have. It's probably because they have the best perception of where their offspring are genuinely gifted, except for the moms that send their daughters down to um, you know, the American Idol uh, uh, audition process telling them that they can sing like Beyonce. When they can't. They can't sing as well as a cat dropped in a bucket. You know what I'm saying? Like it just doesn't work. We got to be honest about what that is. And moms and grandmas are. And they have this way of working that all the way around. They have this way of helping us understand that. Because honestly, moms and grandmas are a gift to children from God. Aren't you grateful for your mom and your grandma? I know I am. Moms and grandmas are the greatest fan of their children. They're the greatest fans, right? I mean, can your kids really, let's be honest, moms and grandmas mostly really get this. Can your grandkids do anything wrong? No? Nope. 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 I never could do anything wrong. Now, my grandma would make a list the whole time we'd be staying with my dad's mom and dad in, in Arizona. We'd be out there for a week, and she would keep this list of all the things we had done wrong. That was to get us to straighten up, right? So then after we'd straightened up, and then, like, the fear of God showed up because my dad had arrived with the cowhide, she would um, walk in, and she'd say, okay, son, here's the list of all the bad things they did this week and how many swats they deserve. I'm like, I thought you were on our side, and she would just kind of look at us, give us the look. You, you know what I'm saying, the look. And you know what would happen next as my dad took out the list? There was nothing on it. She had thrown away the list that she actually kept and showed us, but she didn't tell us. I mean, before he'd walk in the door, she would show us the list she was going to give him. Somehow, she would give him a list that was empty and blank and never had anything on it. Because moms and grandmas are our greatest fans God's given moms and grandmas the ability to see the best in their children in the worst of situations. Moms and grandmas are the greatest encouragers to use our gift. They tell us, don't give up, try again, you can do it. They believe in us, right? They think the best of us, that there's no way we're ever going to fail. They help us to, uh, to influence our confidence, knowing that failure is just a setback. They know that failure isn't fatal because, I mean, how many times have a mom or a grandma felt like they failed in raising us? I'm sure there are times, mom, grandma, that you felt like, man, I am such a failure. Look at what my child has done. But yet you knew that that child was still alive, and so there was still a chance that on the other side of it, everything was going to be okay. The thing about influence is we all have it. We're focusing on moms and grandmas today, but the truth is each and every one of us influence someone else. Why not try to do it like a mom or a grandma from that perspective of you can do it. You can accomplish it. You can do anything you put your mind to. Moms and grandmas are the greatest menders of whatever gets broken. They know just how to fix it. Now, when I was a kid, we would hear the story of Humpty Dumpty, right? Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall. No, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again, right? 
Well, the problem is, and Humpty Dumpty wished that he would have uh, asked someone else because all they needed to do was ask mom because mom could have put him back together again because mom knew where the glue was. Mom knew where the tape was. She knew how to fit the pieces together. She just needed dad to hang on to it, right? That's what we really need. Mom knows how to fix it. In my house, the kids don't come ask me to fix anything. I don't know if that's because mom has influenced them that I can't fix anything. Don't ask, don't try. I'm not sure, but they don't. They run to mom. Mom, can you put this back together? And what does she do? You bet. Let's grab the nail glue and let's put that sucker back together. It'll hold. And she makes it work. Moms have that ability. That only seems to multiply when a mom becomes a, grandmother, a grandmother, though. In Proverbs 17, 6, it says that grandchildren are a crown for their grandparents. Grandchildren are a crown to their grandparents. Man, I remember how hurt I was the first time my dad said to me, if I would have known how much fun grandkids were, I would have had them first. I thought, listen here, Joker. I'm going to tell my son that same thing because that's kind of true. We, we have those moments, right? There's no coincidence that the word crown is used here because every grandparent thinks of their grandchildren as someone precious and that they're a jewel and they should be treasured and they want that for their grandchildren. Psalm 127.3 says that children are a heritage from the, from the Lord. They are a reward from him. A reward is a crown, if you will. That's the whole point. They're a reward. Yes, they challenge us. Yes, they provoke us. Yes, they are the best and the worst of us all together. But you know what? When everyone else has given up on a child or a grandchild, not a mom, not a grandma, they're never, ever, ever going to give up. That's why their love is the closest thing to God's love. It's sacrificial. It's painful. It's unselfish. It's unrelenting. It's unceasing. When everyone else sees the worst, mom, grandma, you see the best, don't you? You think that kid or grandchild can do nothing wrong because that's what we see in them. Moms and grandmas, you help to fan into flame the gift that God's placed in them. Yes, the spiritual gift of faith, but every other gift. Fan that thing into flame. If they are good at it, begin to provoke it. Begin to stoke it. I want my kids to try everything there is, every sport, everything. I was praying to Jesus that Cecily would quit cheer. I thought, yes, we're finally going to get out of this mess, right? Because one day she might regret that she never played softball. She might regret that she never tried soccer. But this whole cheer thing, because, you know, we have rules in our family that you can only play one sport at a time. Sorry, it's just the way that it works. We ain't got that kind of time. I'm not going to be that parent that's dragging a kid from 17 sports in one time. No, 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 I'm not going to do it. We're going to try one thing. She loves cheer. Loves it. Heaven help. That's why Rachel has to take her to all that mess. Uh-uh, nope, mm-mm, nope. Ain't got time for that kind of drama. No way, uh-uh, not happening. Fan into flame those gifts. If your child is good at something, tell them they're great. If they're trying it, tell them they can be better. Don't let, the, let them settle for the lowest common denominator. Expect your child to excel. Expect your grandchildren to excel. Expect each other to excel. That's the key to influence is helping someone become better than they think they are. You're better than that. And moms and grandmas innately have this ability to do that. They innately have this gift to be able to tell you, hey, you can do so much more and so much better. 
Moms and grandmothers have a, a tremendous influence on the gifts that God has given. They mold us. They shape us. That gift that, that's there, they shape it through their own faith, through their own character, and through their own example. Why? Because it's something for which we can never repay, and it's something that influences several generations. So today, mothers and grandmothers alike, we honor you. Bless you. Perfect timing. Moms, grandmas, we celebrate you. Man, we do. You are amazing. We celebrate you for all that you've done. Yeah. We celebrate you for all that you do, all that you've done, and all that you will continue to do in influencing our lives to live for the Lord. Moms and grandmas alike, thank you for influencing our faith and influencing our gift. Your influence is far-reaching, forever molding, and impacts many generations to come. So thank you for never, ever, ever giving up. Your influence is going to last for generations. So no matter what season that you find yourself in, remember that you have hope because God's Word tells us that He has a plan for our lives and a hope for our future. So in closing, I want Rachel to share a few final words with you. Uh, for years, this has been one of my favorite things to read at Mother's Day. Uh, for some people, it's a wonderful celebrating time. But for some, it's heartbreaking because of a loss of children or parents or for a woman aching to be a mother. And I think this addresses all of the seasons we as women go through. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, crying tears of disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who've lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we, gr we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. 
And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember all of you. So today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you know, we've already made mention that the closest thing to God's love is the love that a mother has for a child. And I don't want to make light of that at all because maybe you're here today and you've not yet made that decision that you're going to put your faith in Jesus. You've not been influenced to have faith in him yet. and You've not made that, uh, crossed over that bridge just yet. But today, maybe you would like to. So with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, if that's you and you want to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and experience the greatest expression of love known to humanity, would you slip up a hand? If there's anybody here today, all right. Who else? Okay, put those hands down. Anybody else? All right. Okay, put your hand down. Who else? Secondly today, maybe you're here and Mother's Day's not easy for you. Loss of a child, the loss of a parent or grandparent, or maybe you've suffered abuse at the hand of a mother. Today we want to pray with you and we want you to know that we're with you. We see you. So if that's you and it's not easy, this is not the easiest time, would you slip up a hand and just signify, Pastor Travis, I need prayer. Okay. Who else? All right. So here's what we're going to ask you to do. If everybody would look this way, I'm going to ask everyone to please stand right where you're at. You stand right there in the pews. We're almost done. What's going to happen now is we're going to ask our prayer team and our church elders to make their way to the front, and they're going to stand here at these altars. And they're here to pray with you. If you raised your hand and said, today I want to experience the love of a Savior like I have never known, Some, the, the only love that would supersede my mom, we want to agree and pray with you. And we want to invite you to come and, and find one of these. They would love nothing more than to pray with you. Or if you raised your hand and said, Pastor Travis, I'm struggling and I need God to do what only God can do because I'm mourning the loss of a, of a child or a, a grandchild or I'm mourning the loss of a mother or a grandmother or I'm, I'm suffering because of abuse at the hand of a mom. We want to agree with you in prayer. And so the worship team is going to play. They're gonna, the singers are going to sing. And as they do, if you need prayer, we want to agree with you. And so as they sing, if you raised your hand or you should have, you want prayer, we want to invite you to make your way forward at this time. Anybody else?